0: Before I begin my thoughts on the opening half hour of Monday Night Raw, I want to talk about an article that came out earlier this morning from Cavesideseats.com entitled WWE Just Doesn't Get It by Gino Morasco, And it goes a little something like this. In response to plummeting ratings and constant criticism from anyone with an operating brain, whoever wasted time watching their program, the powers that be at WWE decided that Vince McMahon would return to Monday Night Raw to, as they put it, and I quote, shake things up, end quote. Rumors flew all around about what this could mean. Fans had some fun passing around wild ideas for whatever drastic measure they may take to improve their television, and there was some genuine excitement of what round Around what might happen, I'm sorry. What do they have to lose by going outside the box? By trying something new? By literally doing anything different? If you thought they would actually follow through on being different, well, you were giving one stiff shot to the gut to remind you that yes, this is still a promotion run by the McMahon family, and they just don't get it. We know they don't. Because the answer they came up with was yet another worked shoot type promo in this awful reality era, they've allowed to flourish in all the worst ways where they acknowledge the show sucked, but promise to make it better by having the family control Raw and SmackDown as they put in air quotes a united front. Yes, folks, they actually wolf into kayfabe. The show is awful, and it's their fault for it and then immediately decided the way to fix it was to have them continue running it because they just won't argue amongst each other now. That this is the answer they came up with is both astounding and demoralizing in a way that nothing else possibly could be. It makes obvious. what was already clear, but at least possible to ignore previously. They don't get it, and they never will. The ensuing show didn't do much to prove any real change was coming. There were good things, sure. But there are good things on any episode of Raw. A full hour for the women to run a gauntlet match for a title shot? That's good. Most of the babyfaces not looking like useless morons all the time? That's good. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn returning soon? That's good. There was bad too. But we don't even need to focus on that because they made it clear at the very start of the show that nothing is going to change at all. You cannot ask fans to allow you to acknowledge you suck at your job in reality and then use the story to say it will be better because you'll be united, but the story is the same as the reality, which is that you are always running the very bad show, and that isn't changing. Even reading that sentence doesn't make any damn sense. This wouldn't be so frustrating if this company wasn't swimming in money with a roster so deep with talent up and down the card. They have main event level stars around every locker, and somehow none of them feel like main event level stars. The McMahon family is to blame for that. How, then? Are we supposed to believe that will change because of this show? I'll hope I'm wrong here, but nothing about this says any great change is coming. That was the story from Gino Morasco. CagesideSeats.com. If you want to go check, read that article again and, you know, check it out word for word and form your own opinions, you can do so. I would have no problem with you doing that. But let's go over what actually happened in the first 33 minutes of the show. I said on Twitter about a couple hours, about an hour or so after I did uh, episode 34 yesterday, that I would only be watching the opening segment with Mr. McMahon and nothing else. After that, I was going to enjoy the rest of my night doing whatever I needed to do. So they started off the show. Mr. McMahon came out, and if you follow me on Insta- on my Instagram page, I had stated as a PSA to Sacramento, what we have been given the past three months has been nothing short of embarrassing, demoralizing, an insult to our intelligence that made us lose IQ points every single week made us untrustworthy of the show as a whole, made us untrustworthy of the product, had fans leaving in droves, and four of those episodes had broken the all-time viewership ratings record for worst show of all time in three months. I do not trust Vince McMahon as far as I can throw him nor would I attempt to because all I would literally want to do is give him a backhand and tell him what he's doing is pretty much destroying his own product. The show started off with, of course, like I said, Mr. McMahon coming out to unadulterated fanfare from the Sacramento crowd. I had literally said on my Instagram post, you must boo Vince McMahon for everything he has done. They were so fucking lucky they were in Sacramento and nowhere near the East Coast. Because if they were in, you know, New York, Philly, anywhere in my home state of New Jersey, pretty much any smart town, they would get a shitstorm of epic proportions that may have been longer than Roman Reigns what Roman Reigns received the night after he beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania 33. When I first heard that Mr. McMahon was going to come back on the show, for us smart people who understand the product and how much it actually sucks, we knew that it was a desperate attempt to bolster ratings. Because anytime Mr. McMahon has to come on the show, Ratings usually suck. And they're sinking faster than the Titanic did back in the 1920s. He comes out there to say, you know, they come here to, they come out here to shake things up. Triple H said, you know, we're gonna come, we're gonna bring new faces, new superstars, new matches. Right? Stephanie McMahon had said, "We are the authority now. The fans are the authority." And I'll get to that a little bit later. Since, you know, you and I are now the authority, I have a list of fucking demands. I'd even write these down. Actually, fuck it. I'm going to talk about it right now so before I before I start going crazy. If I'm the authority, right? As they stated, Here's my list of demands. Strip Brock Lesnar of the Universal Championship and hold a tournament that will begin pretty much after your fucking bullshit tapings of Christmas and New Year's Eve and hold a tournament to determine a new Universal Champion that will be crowned at the Royal Rumble and begin our way towards WrestleMania. Okay? Okay. Put the cruiserweights back on the fucking show and actually allow them time to actually do their fucking work. Actually make the tag team division relevant. Stop booking the women's division like a fucking joke. I know this one probably will never happen. Reduce it to two hours. Since I'm the authority, why not? Make, and like a, like it was from the article from Gino Borasco, make main event stars feel like main event stars. Storylines that actually make sense. You know? Treat NXT like a minor league system. Hmm. If certain superstars aren't doing well or they aren't being put on the show often, put them down in NXT and let them get some work in. And you can actually interchange that throughout the year. Those new faces, those new superstars, that fresh matchup you're talking about, Triple H, that would actually create that. That Tyler Breeze ricochet match we saw last Wednesday night, I, want, I would want more of that. Think about that. Think about the, if the Ascension went back down to NXT. They were, they were at the time, the longest reigning NXT champions. They were beloved in NXT. Dominant in NXT. I would have loved to see that. Why not? Since you're, not, since you're keeping them in fucking catering, you know, teams like the Colognes could have went back down to NXT. You know, like I said, and I, and I I'm gonna shout out Kevin for this too because he's at the same thing to me, and I agree with him with this minor league system. Treat it like a AAA ball club. You know, if a Velveteen Dream's gonna come up, you gotta bring somebody back down to take his spot. Names like Mojo Riley, Zach Ryder could go back down as the hype bros. You know, Nia Jackson went back down to work on her performance and stop punching people in the fucking face. Hard way. Dana Brooke could have gone back down, and you can create a redemption story for her. I stayed. I booked. I did that a few episodes ago. Look at what look at the, look at what it did for Tyson Kidd. Went back down to NXT and was involved in a fatal four way match for the NXT Championship. Those are my list of demands that I have off the top of my head so far. Now to Sacramento. Oh, Sacramento, you did not disappoint me at all. You didn't piss me off at all. No, no, you just proved me fucking right. You did exactly what I thought y'all were going to do. Vince McMahon's music comes on. You praise the man. You shower him with love and Happiness and all this good shit. Like I said, if this were in New York, Newark, Philly, Chicago. None of this shit would be happening. He would be getting shit on for 12, 15 minutes straight and they would not stop. They would not allow him to speak. At all. Why the fuck are you cheering Vince McMahon? Five times in one year, you break your all-time lower, your, your freaking all-time lowest viewership rating. You praise him for this? You're proving their point. Fans are leaving the show in droves. People are not watching your product. They are not investing what you're bringing to the table. This goes for anything in terms of relationships, business partners, your girlfriend, your husband, anything. If they are not investing in you as the fan to keep you entertained, why the fuck do you want to invest in the product? But yet, you give Vince McMahon love. You cheer this man. You boo him on command when he says it. If they were smart, they would not go to Sacramento anymore for the next five years. Mm. Fucking bullshit. And then on top of that, on top of that, okay, after they had their bullshit spiel, Baron Corbin comes out and says, what happened last night? uh, I should actually say Sunday night at TLC was not fair. Because Braun Strowman had Finn Balor, Apollo Crews, Chad Gable, Bobby Roode, Heath Slater. All come out and kick his ass. Mm Hmm. So what they do, instead of actually firing him in front of the entire world. And tell him to go fuck off. They decided to give him another chance. So what'd they do? What the fuck did they do? They literally did the same exact segment from Sunday night's TLC match between Braun Strowman and Baron Corbin. The same fucking thing. Just without Braun Strowman? and you insert Kurt Angle. So it was going to be a one-on-one matchup with Angle and Corbin. They made Heath Slater the referee, and I I think the only good thing that came out of that was that Heath Slater was shaking hands with Shane McMahon, high-fiving Stephanie McMahon, shook Triple H's hand, and actually shook Mr. McMahon's hand. That might be the biggest moment in his career, besides winning the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Back in 2016, they begin their match. It's going along. Corman throws a punch. Shane McMahon comes out and states, then makes the ruling that this is now a handicap match. And out come Rude, Gable, and Cruz. Literally the same exact thing that happened. And now now it's a four-on-one handicap match. Okay? So that's now going on. And I believe, I think it was Triple H that came out. I really don't care. I really didn't give a shit. It then became a no disqualification handicap match. So... All four members go out to the ring, go outside the ring, go underneath the ring, grab out chairs—the same exact shit they did at TLC. Start destroying Corbin with chair shots, blah blah blah, while Heath Slater's in the corner fixing the ring turn uh, turnbuckle, making sure the ropes are good. Corey Graves is bitching, to which I laugh my ass off. Angle slam, one, two, three. Corbin is once again a loser. After the match, fans were screaming, of course, during the match, we want tables. I believe it was Rudy and Gable went to the outside, grabbed a table, set it up. Angle, angle slams Corbin through the fucking table, and that was your segment. 33 fucking minutes of my life. That I can never get back. That I chose to because I wanted to see what change they were actually going to bring out. And when you look through the, and I'm just looking at k size seats because they have the uh, highlights. You're looking up and down this whole thing. It was basically the same fucking shit you usually get every Monday. They announced before beforehand on, I think it was CLC, they had Finn Balor versus Dolph Ziggler. And of course, right on schedule, of course, if you're smart, you know this, that McIntyre came out and caused a disqualification. Elias and Bobby Lashley still are continuing their feud. They announced that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are coming back instead of actually surprising us with the return of them. They didn't even give us a date of when they're returning. They just said they were returning soon. We then get the amount, announce- and, th- and this probably really fucking killed me because I- this probably pissed me off more than anything. They announced six new talents from NXT were going to be coming up to shake things up. Laura Sullivan, we already knew that was going down. EC3, Lacey Evans, Heavy Machinery, and Nikki Cross are all now coming to the main roster on WWE programming. I stated on Twitter last night that Sullivan and Cross were the only two names out of that six that actually made sense for, for being called up. Mm. I spoke with uh the who got next uh who got next podcast on Twitter. We usually uh talk during the week on on programming, especially for NXT. And like I said, man. He's a... That's a smart motherfucker. I'm not even gonna front. Go check... Uh, search for them on Twitter. Who got next podcast? Give them a follow. They... he This, this motherfucker knows his shit when it comes to NXT. He goes to the live shows. He, so he knows a lot more than I do. I will say that up and down. He knows a lot more than I do. He or she. I'm not assuming genders. I'm not even gonna put that there. He or she. Let's not assume genders here. I'm not the most politically correct guy, but like I said, I don't wanna assume genders and everybody get mad and shit. But... Anyway, I was living back and, a little back and forth, and I really wasn't too keen on seeing Heavy Machinery being called up. But he said, you know, no, it, I, I have to disagree with you. You know, them coming up makes sense. I mean, I I love Heavy Machinery. I really do. I love how they get down, the stakes and weights, stakes and weights which I can get behind because I love you some stakes, and I love going to the gym, get my swole on. I just don't think they're ready yet. They haven't even had a sniff at an NXT Tag Team title shot. And from what I saw last week on NXT, it looked like they were going to be the ones next up to face the Undisputed Era. I take over Phoenix for the NXT Tag Team Championships, you know? So we could safely say if that's, if that's going to go down, put an L in the column for them. Lacey Evans isn't ready to come up to the main roster just yet. I love what she brings to the table. I love that, you know, her being a full-blown heel is awesome. Lead of NXT, trying to be classy, trying to bring class to the women's division, but she hasn't even gotten nowhere near NXT Women's Championship title shot as of yet, and she will be involved in that fatal four way, so you pretty much you can put an L next to her on the column. EC three. As much as I would love to say I would, I'm happy to see him come up to the main roster, I don't think he's ready yet either. He's now starting to be in a major storyline with the Undisputed Era, going through guy after guy. He just beat, he beat Adam Cole, he beat Bobby Fish, O'Reilly's probably next to the list, and then you get to Roderick Strong, systematically beating every member of the Undisputed Era. I love this storyline. I love how this has been working, and now you add heavy machinery into it, and it looks like we're going to get a possible since man tag in the works. But now knowing that EC3 and Heavy Machinery are coming to the main roster, you can probably take an L for him too if they decide to do anything with him in a major match at TakeOver Phoenix. It's very fucking disheartening to see talent that has been working in NXT. And I think EC3 just got there. Just started really getting into his own recently. After, of course, you know facing Velveteen Dream at Brooklyn, you know, and then going through. I don't think he had a spot in uh, at War Games. He just started getting into his own. That's the one that scares me the most. Now, in, uh, speaking about EC3, I was actually on Twitter, and um, I was involved in a little conversation between myself um nick nightmare from the sledgehammer uh from sledgehammer tv if you guys don't follow him follow him on twitter i i give him a huge shout out because he's fucking awesome and i just watched his um monday night raw review while i was at the gym i listened to that and he was he was hitting on everything he was in on everything that you could hit on with in terms of what happened on raw and how and he i feel the same way he does this show sucked But he, I was, I was having a conversation between him and uh, Kevin Castle. Uh, if you've never heard of the Don Tony and Kevin Castle podcast, I definitely would uh, give that a listen. That is a huge; those two are those two are fucking huge in the pod, in the professional podcasting realm. I am literally just a small fish in all of this. But he, all three of us were having a conversation, and Kevin Castle said that EC three. Will be world champion by Summerslam. I kid you not. I have I literally have that screenshotted on my phone just in case I prove him right. I prove him wrong, I should say. I hope I'm wrong because I actually told him, and and Nick Nightmare liked it, and Kevin Castle liked it too. I said I literally said I'm trying to remember it as best as I can. I said, if that happens, I'll ha- be happy to eat a slice of humble pie without fail. I think he's wrong. And I'll make sure I have like a, a countdown on my phone when we get to SummerSlam. I'll find the date for SummerSlam. I'll have a countdown for that. And if EC3 is world champion at by SummerSlam, at SummerSlam, then I will have no problem saying, "Hey, Kev, you were right." But to be truthfully honest, I don't think that's going to happen. When Drew McIntyre made his return to WWE, when he when he became when he called got called up to the main roster, he had World Champion written all over him. The look, his move set, he had the looks of a heel champion. Everything he when he stood in that ring alone, you could tell he was World Champion material. I do not see that in EC3. I don't. I honestly don't see it in him. I see possible mid-card champion, possible upper-mid-card guy. But as of right now, at this very moment, he still needed to be there for, I'd say, at least a few more takeovers. Come on. Up. Wanna come up? No? Okay. No, I mean, that's just my dog. Come on. Want to sit up on the couch? Anyway, you'll figure it out. So, I I just don't see that in EC three right now. I've he he would be better off in NXT right now. Lacey Evans would be better off in NXT right now. Heavy Machinery would be bet would almost definitely be better off right now in NXT. Sullivan and Cross are the only two names out of that six that actually make sense in terms of call-ups. And I hope they both go to SmackDown. It makes sense for Cross because then she rejoins Sanity. And it makes sense for Lars Sullivan to go to SmackDown because they already have enough big men over on Raw. To be truthfully honest with the whole Baron Corbin segment, when they said that this guy was coming out and they were doing that waiting, I was like, fuck it, at this point, just bring out Lars Sullivan and have him kill him. In two minutes, I would have rather take I would have rather seen that happen than seeing the same fucking segment that we got at t l c on Sunday night. that would have been a, at least a little bit of change in your product so then you have a fatal four way match to determine the number one contender for the Raw Tag Team Championships. And the only, and I think actually the one good thing that came out of it was that Lucha House rules are no longer in effect. Which didn't make fucking sense anyway. Because then you screwed over the revival for what? Four or five weeks now? Off that alone? Hmm? Hmm? And then revival got the victory. Oh, don't worry. I was I was not like I said. After I watched that opening segment, I didn't watch any other shit. I was watching the New Orleans Carolina game, checking out my fantasy, and checking out my fantasy scores, and then fucking pretty much looking at my timeline to see what everyone was saying about Raw. And from what I saw on my timeline, it was not positive at all. Solar Monster was shitting on it. JD from NY two hundred six was shitting on it. Fucking Sledgehammer TV was shitting on it. For the most part, Kevin Castle and Don Tony were shitting on it. I was shitting on it. Kevin was shitting on it. Oh, my, boy, Brock, my boy Brian Fury757 on Twitter. He was shitting on it. Shout out to the Mad Titan. Michael Sapo, he was shitting on it. I was I was PWP Nation. Jay Aleto was shitting on it. when you say there's going to be change and then you revert back to the same old bullshit you've been doing pretty much all fucking year what makes you i or anyone who else watches this product to fucking believe that there's actually going to be some change and there's i I saw people on twitter saying it's only one show you know you got to wait let it, you know wait a couple weeks a couple months to see what they actually do and to that extent, you would be right. To that extent, you actually have a point. But when you've been fucking up, literally, think about this, right? And I think it was the, um, I think I was re- uh, saw a tweet from Don Tony, who was going to use the, uh, the battered wife uh, analogy. You know, the husband beats his wife, gets in trouble for it, gets arrested for it. She drops the charges because she loves him. He says he never does it again. And then he does it again, and again, and again. That's literally the same thing that WWE has been doing for fucking years. When 2016 came through, when we had the brand split, brand split and it came back, the same thing was said. It's a new era in WWE. Brand split, Raw versus SmackDown. I want competition between Stephanie and Shane McMahon. I want blood. I want the brands to face each other for brand supremacy. And what the fuck have we been getting? The same old song and fucking dance. I was watching Joe Cronin's show last night. Post-Post-Raw. They shit on it. Joe Cronin and Jake DeMarco pretty much said it was the same exact shit. There was no change whatsoever. There was an eight woman gauntlet match for the, for, to determine, you know, who would be the top con- number one contender for the uh, women's championship. And of course, who won? Natalia. But well, we want change, right? Natalya should be nowhere near the women's championship. Nowhere. No top opportunity. No number one contendership. She should literally be getting women over. She is at that point in her career where she should be getting women over. Instead of getting over. And Nick Nightmare actually brought up a very solid point when I was listening to his, uh, his show on YouTube. If you wanted to start the four horsewomen versus four horsewomen feud, you could have started it next week. You could have had Sasha Banks or Bailey win that gauntlet, become the number one contender for the women's championship. You could have started it off that way. You would have had, you know, one of those two win. You know, even if it wasn't a lose, even if it was a no disqualification match. And you can begin the can begin the feud that way, begin the road to that match that way. You know he was he was booking matches. You had you could have had Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch, Ronda versus Charlotte, Marina Shafir and Jesse Duke versus Sasha Banks and Bailey. But the only reason we're doing Natalia is because we didn't. They didn't get to do the angle of her turning heel, her turning on Ronda. I know, I'm mad about it too. Even my dog's mad. And she fell asleep watching this shit. So now they're gonna have Natalia versus Ronda Rousey. And more than likely she's gonna turn a heel on her. I know. I don't like it either. I hate it. Oh, you mad. I know. Don't mind Marley, she saw something outside the other side of the window. She's fine. But honestly, let's 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 be fucking real here. What we saw last night on Monday Night Raw did not constitute anything that was any part of the definition of change. You can change the music all you want. You can change the graphics of the show. You can bring up all the NXT talent you want. And I know, and I and I know you saw Velveteen Dreams tweets last night. And I know he, I just read he just deleted all of his tweets. And they had fans spamming on Twitter that he, you know, he should be called up. He should be the last person to be talking about coming up to the main roster. As much as I would love to see him on the main roster, they would not know what to do with Velveteen Dream. I guarantee you that right now. When it comes down to it, I'm surprised I'm being more tame about this shit right now than I I initially wanted to. Excuse me. But if you honestly think about it, me yelling won't change the product. Me wilding the fuck out, We're close to 35 minutes. Won't change the product. Vince McMahon. Will not change the product. This is their promotion. And now on top of that. On top of all that. All four of them. Vince. Stephanie. Triple H. And Shane McMahon. Are all going to run Raw and Smackdown. As a united fucking front. And since there's no GM on Raw, and now there's going to, and I would, if I'm Paige, kayfabe wise, I would fear for my job immediately. The worst part about it is, she's not cleared to wrestle. So her days as SmackDown Live's general manager may come to an end tonight. And that's very disheartening because I actually like her as a GM. Because Having a babyface GM is very solid. It's, it's actually a nice little... so very refreshing to have Paige on SmackDown Live as general manager. I like Paige as general manager of SmackDown. I really do. I think she's one of the better SmackDown Live general managers, period. In the history of the show itself. I think she's one of the best, if not the best. That's just my opinion, of course. But now... You have a united front of McMahon's again. I can appreciate, and I'm very, I'm saying this very lightly. I can appreciate the fact that they said that they have sucked, that the show has tanked. I can, I can give you that because honestly, it's true. But we've been saying that for years, not months, years. I don't cover Raw for the simple fact that it's not worth covering. It's not. You know that as well as I do. I feel bad for podcasters who actually cover Monday Night Raw. I feel bad because that they have to suffer through three hours of bullshit. And especially now that, and this is this is a point that I almost forgot. After Raw went off the air for the live show, they did another three-hour taping for their Christmas show in Sacramento. And there were reports out, Ringside News actually reported this, that fans were leaving in droves during the taping of Monday Night Raw. There, were, there are pictures up on Twitter right now. You can go to hashtag Raw Sacramento on Twitter and you can probably more likely see dozens of pictures on hard side of fans. Literally, there are like literally just blank spaces in the crowd because people left. People left. Sure, you get two shows for the price of one, but what fan is going to sit through six hours of bullshit? This isn't WrestleMania. That is the only time, if anything, you would be willing to sit through five, six hours of wrestling, as long as it's good. I've pretty much seen the spoilers for Raw, and I'm not watching it. From what I saw, it's it's just another fucking trash show. So, more than likely, next week, they're going to break another all-time lowest viewership record. Six in one year. My bold prediction. From many moons ago, I stated by the end of 2018, the last episode of Monday Night Raw would be under a two. New Year's Eve is the last fucking edition of Monday Night Raw. And come January 1st, I guarantee you it will be under a two. Fuckable prediction. You are taping shows that fans are going to watch. Holiday themed shows tank every fucking time. The worst holiday show, still, in my opinion, of all time is what? Is July 4th, 2016. The July 4th edition of Monday Night Raw. I don't know if it was actually on a Monday, but that is, out of doubt, in my opinion, the worst ever Monday Night Raw that I have ever seen in my existence in my 20 plus years of being a professional wrestling fan. That is hands down the worst holiday show ever. And if you want, and if you want proof, and you want to see a crazy rant, go watch JD from New York. JD from NY206's Monday Night Raw review. On that show. I guarantee you. You will be laughing your ass off. That main event literally had a 16 man. United States versus the world. Hit a fucking tag match. eight Versus eight. I remember it like it was fucking yesterday. And that show was I watched that show too from beginning to end. And I would have rather drink bleach, slit my wrist, jumped off the building at my job, or get suplexed by Brock Lesnar into a bed of spikes than ever watch that show again. You want change? We all want change on Monday Night Raw, we all do. You, you want change. I want change. I, like, seriously. Seriously. Think of your, fa- if you're a sports fan, think of your favorite sports team. I just want you to close your eyes and think of your favorite sports team right now. That's it. That's pretty much tanking. If you're anywhere in the world with a team, that sucks. Envision them winning the championship. Envision that moment. You want your team who is, who is playing terribly right now because Of management not getting the players you want to get. Or not being able to compete with the top teams in the conference division or anything like that. Envision them holding a Super Bowl. An NBA Finals Championship. The World Series Trophy. Envision that. Now as a professional wrestling fan. Envision Raw. Week after week after week. Being something that you at 8 p.m. Unless you're working late and you have it on DVR, you sit down on that couch with your beer, your water, your snacks, whatever you got, and you're going to sit down and watch Monday Night Raw because it is actually something you are going to enjoy. The cliffhanger from last week got you invested, waiting seven days with bated breath, waiting to find out what the next chapter of a a certain storyline is going to be. Of a possible championship match going down. Of a certain person coming back to Monday Night Raw. And making their return for the first time in months due to an injury. That's what I want from Monday Night Raw. I want something that I can absolutely invest in. I want to invest in the product. I want a product that I know that figure, like, figuratively can win championships year in and year out. I do it, at, I say that at my job all the time, because I do retail. When it comes to certain, you know, when it comes in my district, I want us to be number one. I know there are certain stores that are better than us in terms of sales and all that, but I know in terms of our area, I want heads on a silver platter served at me while I sit at my throne. Monday Night Raw doesn't do that for us. I get it. It's not the Attitude Era anymore. Mm -hmm. Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock ain't coming through that door anymore. DX wouldn't likely ain't coming through that door for a while. The Rock and Sun Connection ain't coming down that ramp to defend the Tag Team Championships against the New Age Outlaws. I get that. But when you have the biggest and best roster in the history of your company and every single Monday night for three hours you literally shit the bed week in and week out I've been saying it for as long as this show has been on as long as I've been doing this podcast it won't change until Vince McMahon decides to step away I've been saying this on Twitter recently. Vince McMahon needs to step down and focus on the XFL that's literally coming in 2020. He should step down effective immediate. That was, if I were Vince McMahon and I were actually doing this, if you want fucking change, I would sit to the crowd in Sacramento, I know for the longest time now, we have not been giving you the product that you deserve. And, tonight, and starting tonight, that is going to change. Before I make that announcement, I want to say that I apologize as the chairman of WWE for not giving you the best product possible. That starts with me. That starts and ends with me. And effective immediately, I will be stepping down and stepping away from WWE as chairman actually no scratch that i will be stepping away from wwe operations and focus on the xfl and make into to ensure that you get the best football possible in 2020 and to ensure that the xfl is the best football league you get to see for years for many years to come now every once in a while i may show up just to say hello But effective, immediately, effective tonight, I will be stepping away from daily operations of WWE. And the person to take my place is, and out comes Triple H. The COO of WWE will come out and take my place. He will be running day-to-day operations, and he will be given the keys to the kingdom. That is change. Change and WWE will not happen until Vince McMahon steps away permanently, and Triple H takes over. We know he's got. We know he's next in line. Stephanie McMahon is not next in line. And you can tell by that hug that Triple H and Vince McMahon had last night. And Vince McMahon had that look of like I fucking hate your guts, just for the simple fact that NXT kicks WWE's ass every fucking week. On TV, that's fucking tape, by the way. Every Big Five weekend when NXT and WWE had their takeovers and their Big Five pay per views. He knows that shit. He can say he doesn't watch NXT all he wants. He can say it all fucking once. He knows NXT is better than WWE. We know that NXT is better than WWE. Vince McMahon needs to fucking realize that at 72 years old, he does not have it anymore. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if you want actual change, sometimes as as the leader of a promotion, sometimes you got to step away and let the future take control. If If we as fans are the supposed authority We need to keep pressing the company negatively, in a negative light, that this show sucks and that there needs to be change. But since Vince McMahon still runs the show and it's his company, until the day he dies, that change will cease to exist. This is episode 35 of The Young Lion's Perspective, and with that being said, Let's talk about what I love about TLC. What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling With Issues Podcast here, and welcome to episode 35 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here with me today on this lovely Tuesday afternoon, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, whatever time you may be checking out this episode. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. I greatly and truly appreciate it as always. I hope you enjoyed that opening rant I had about what happened last night with Monday Night Raw. Um, I was only going to talk about the uh, shake-up uh, Mr. McMahon segment of raw, but there were some things during the show that I wanted to speak on a little bit and hopefully I got my point across enough, even though it was a damn near hour rant of me just going off on what happened, but I'll try to get my point across as much as possible. I didn't want to hold back on anything in terms of the whole show as a whole. I mean, I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm not even going to worry about that because I did enough negative talking today now, I was going to do the entire TLC review, but the rant, the opening segment took damn near an hour. So, I'm not going to go ape shit on any more negativity for the rest of the day. I got it all out of my system. Uh, of course, at the gym, I got all my stress out and then letting all my uh, feelings out on Raw last night. I'm only going to be talking about what I loved about TLC this time around because where there comes negativity from your boy I always want to talk about the positive things that did happen at TLC, and we are going to actually start with, now, now, uh, disclaimer, Um, I was at work when the first hour of the show happened, so I didn't get the chance to catch the kickoff show, nor did I go back and watch the kickoff show because, well, I'm lazy. It happens. Uh, (laughs) It happens like most people. Um, I didn't go back, but from what I heard, the Cruiserweight Championship match was really good. So, uh, ten minutes between uh Murphy and Alexander. I may go back and watch that today or during sometime during the week because I love the cruiserweight division and I'm advocate and I'm an advocate for the cruiserweight division as a whole. So I may go back and watch that and check that out because I love me some Murphy and Alexander. Um, other than that, um, I did not. I listened to the. I watched a little bit of the tag team championship match while I was at work, and then I got home around like eight fifteen ish. And caught the rest of the show. So I'm going to talk about what I saw. And one of the things I did love, of course, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Anytime you get three of the best teams in all the tag team division in WWE, whether it be Raw or SmackDown, you know it's always going to be a good match. Now, a lot of people, I mean, people will probably say, oh, we've seen this, you know, iteration of these three at some point in the year. Usos a New Day I've seen a million times. Bar vs. New Day I've seen a million times. Bar vs. Usos we've seen forever. But when these three teams lock up every single time, these guys put on a show and always had the intent on putting on a show. Now, if this were a ladder match for the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships, I think it would have actually been a lot better because then, you know, it would have brought a little bit more drama to the match and possibly would have gotten us a new champion or something along those lines. So let's talk about the match as a whole. So they made the announcement that only two competitors at a time uh, would be in on the ring. That just makes the most sense. So Seamus and Kofi actually started the matchup. Seamus and Kofi circled it, tied up. Kofi gets a wa- waist lock. Seamus powers him to the open corner. Uh, he then backs off and circles with Kofi again. Of course, fans chanting for the new day because they're the, ba- the baby faces in this matchup. Seamus got him in the headlock, but Kofi had scissors. Uh, he, uh, Sheamus then pops out, gets another headlock. Uh, Kofi powers out, and Sheamus runs him over, goes for a cover, and then he brings Kofi back to another headlock. Kofi then fights out, and things speed up a little bit. He leaps, but Sheamus catches him in a back suplex, only for Kofi to slip out and hits a drop kick, and that surprisingly got a two count. And then he tags in Woods. Now, there were a lot of good spots in this match that I absolutely loved. Um, There was a a double elbow drop by... uh, Seamus and uh, Seamus and Cesaro, they had a nice little cover for two camp. Um, Cesaro keeping his eyes on the Usos while looming over Woods. Cesaro stopping Woods' hand, puts on another chin lock. Woods endures it again. Fans rally up behind for the Usos to get involved in the match. He shoves Woods, but then Woods sh- hits Seamus. Uh, he hits the honor roll on Cesaro. Uh, Cesaro brought Seamus back into the match, and Seamus hits the Usos just because. Uh, later on in the matchup, we start to the Usos actually finally get involved in the matchup. So there was a hot tag to Cesaro, a hot tag to Kofi. Uh, Kofi springboards and starts going all ape shit on Cesaro. He hits a drop kick, then hits a leaping lariat on Cesaro. He then gives Cesaro the boom drop that made the crowd go crazy. He aims for the corner and starts clapping along with the crowd. He swings but is caught into a toss. Cesaro runs in, then the Usos get involved. Kofi kicks Cesaro, then kicks Jimmy. Uh, Kofi then leaps, but Cesaro catches him. Then he then lifts Kofi, but Jimmy leaps in for a flying crossbody. Uh, he went for the cover, but Cesaro breaks it up. Cesaro then gets the dragon whip, uh, whip leg drop. Uh, Kofi rolls Jimmy goes, and that only got a two count. Jimmy goes for Kofi, he misses Kofi. Jay tags it in the process. The Usos then begin their own super kick party. They double, they super kick Kofi. Then then they super kick Woods. Uh, Double superkick for Sheamus, and then Cesaro leaps in, and he gets superkick right in the mouth. Uh, They aim, but miss Kofi, and uh, they actually went for the pop-up Samoan drop. That was nice, but went for the cover. That almost got the win, and Woods breaks it up at the last possible second. Jimmy Jimmy Uso and Xavier Woods brawl, and they fall out of the ring. Jay climbs in, and he aims at Kofi. Cesaro tags himself in the process. I don't think I believe it was uh, Kofi who didn't know what was going down. Uh, he Jimmy, Jay hits the Uso splash. Cesaro tosses Jay into the ring post. Then he goes for the cover on Kofi. That got a two count. They were surprised that they, that wasn't enough to get the victory. Cesaro then was stalking Kofi. Big E was uh, trying to get Kofi up, trying to rally him back into the match. Cesaro gets Kofi into the Swiss swing. And he went around for about like 13, 14 rotations. The strength of this man is always second to none. I've always loved Cesaro because that man, I would say if you had a lifting contest between him and Tyler Bate, I think that would probably be a a very interesting contest, but I think Tyler Bate may win for the simple fact that he has lifted Volter. and if you've seen the size of Volter, that boy big, but I think you can counter that. I think Cesaro actually lifted up Big Show once for a Swiss swing, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he did lift up the Big Show once. And the bitch show is no small dude. Like compare him to me, I'm 218 and he's like close to 400 on a uh, on a bad day. At least in the, three, in, the in the high 3s. Let's just put that out there. But after the 12 to 14 rotations, he locks in the sharpshooter. Uh Kofi goes for and tries to actually endures a lot. Biggie's telling him don't quit. He drags Kofi away from the ropes, uh but then Woods hits the get over here to Stop the hold. The end of the match had seen. This is probably the best part of the match. Uh, Sheamus then tags in and blasts Woods, then hits Jay. Uh, he, he then aims at Kofi, calling for the end of the match. He went for, goes for the broke kick. Kofi stands up, dodges the broke kick, rolls Sheamus up in the process. That got a two count. Sheamus goes for the broke kick again, but double stomps, intercept the broke. Uh, Kofi tags in uh, Xavier Woods. Words, uh, Woods hurries up, trying to get the tag. Uh, Kofi hits Trouble in Paradise, and then they hit the Limit Breaker. Uh, went for the cover, but Jay and Cesaro broke up the pin. Fans, at this point, we're going Ape shit as all four men are down in the ring. Big E is coaching up his team. Jay gets up first. Cesaro follows and hits, and hits Jay with a European uppercut. Jimmy then runs in into a pop-up European uppercut, and I love when Cesaro does that, just throws him up and then just pops him with that sickening European uppercut. Kofi then drop kicks Cesaro out of the ring. Kofi then goes up to the top. He aims for the group outside for, it, um, for the trust fall. And that, I love when he does that because it's just the craziest thing. Lands on pretty much almost everybody. Takes out Usos and the Cesaro. Sheamus then goes after Woods. Woods resists with a hand, with hands and a kick. Sheamus staggers a little bit, but Cesaro goes for Woods' feet. He mule kicks Cesaro, but steps right into the broke kick. They get the cover, the three count, and they actually retain the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championship. I was actually shocked at that because I actually, I had the Usos winning. Uh, If you listen to uh, my podcast on, um, I believe it was last week. Man, I can't even remember days anymore. I just get pissed off. I just get confused sometimes. Uh, I did make my prediction that the Usos would win that triple threat match because I thought they were the right team to win, but then again... They're still getting into their run with the titles, but now it remains to be now it remains to be seen if you get the Uso's in the new day out of the way now. They're out of the way, they're out of contention. Who do you put up next? And I actually said the Uso's winning would have allowed Sanity to be the next group up. Now with the uh call up for Nikki Cross, I think it would make sense to actually now excuse me Ooh, excuse me, don't mind me, I just had pizza uh about an hour or so ago, so I'm still burping up that a little bit, don't mind me. I would still say Sanity, I'd say is the next team up. I think it would make sense. Um just you gotta you gotta get some new blood into the into the tag team division over on SmackDown, especially, you know, if you're gonna have the Usos in the new day out of the way for the time being. That's just me though. Now, like I said, there wasn't there was a decent amount of good coming out of this match, but there's a shit ton of bad. Um, one of another thing that I enjoyed about TLC was Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles for the WWE Championship. I love this match. I don't know about some of y'all, but I actually enjoyed this match. For sure, it just made them it just it made me happy because I even tweeted out this is the rematch that we needed to happen, Um, especially that, you know, with the first go around that they had where Brian low blowed AJ and was able to win the championship that way. Then, you know, that and it needed this this match needed to actually happen. Now, before the match, AJ Styles was interviewed. Uh, He says that he knows both the old Brian and the new Brian will do anything they have to do in order to win. So that makes them no different especially when they are both beatable. He then promises to have a phenomenal forearm with Brian's name on it. He, is, he says he has played Brian's mind games long enough. This time, Brian plays his game. And that begins the introductions for all of that. I thoroughly enjoyed this match because of the simple fact that it felt old school to me. It had that feel of that old school. Like, these were two guys who honestly hated each other. Styles wanted his title back in the worst way and Brian was willing to now do anything it took to win the championship. And I don't know about you guys, but I love heel Daniel Bryan, the new Daniel Bryan, whatever you want to fucking call him. I love this Daniel Bryan, the you know I would I would say he's like think if you if you guys remember uh CJ Parker who is now Juice Robinson in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, he had the gimmick of you know, the Earth-loving, you know, guy who wanted to protect the Earth from everything. He always had these signs of, like, protect Mother Earth and all this stuff. I would say, if if you want to talk about it in terms of Pokemon, uh, I'm I'm really showing my age right now. Um, if you want to take it in terms of that, I would say Daniel Bryan is the evolution of what CJ Parker was in NXT. That's just my opinion, but he has taken it now to another level. Uh, the promo he cut the, on Miz TV, which is... Absolutely insane, calling us, all, calling us, you know, the sheep. You know, talking about consumerism and all this stuff. I absolutely love this stuff, and I think, if I remember correctly, uh, earlier in the in the show, he kind of promo stating that when he retains the championship, the mm. leather, the belt that he carries will not be made of leather; it will be made of hemp. So if they, uh, so if they wanted to go that, if uh, Brian retained, I hope to see a hemp belt. On SmackDown Live, if you retain the championship. Now, since we've all saw the match, we know Brian retained. But let's talk about this match because it was absolutely fucking dope. So, and I love the beginning of this matchup. Uh, Brian and Styles uh, began circling, and we're about to actually have the collar and double tie up. Brian just bails out of the ring immediately. Fans start booing at that and started doing the mind games with Styles. Brian takes full advantage of the ring count. I think he got in around seven, comes back in and they're about to collar and double tie up again. Second time, he bails out. Styles gets frustrated immediately. Bryan's just literally like just put on his asshole smile. I know that smile because I have that smile sometimes when I'm at work, and when people ask me about certain products that we I know we don't have, I always have that menacing smile. So I totally get that, and I, I loved it. I was enjoying it. He was soaking up the heat from the fans. They start dueling, have a dueling chance of AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan. Bryan then puts Styles in the corner. Styles turns it around into a chop and a forearm, immediately going on the attack. And the story they told about this match was was fan-fucking-tastic. Bryan going after the ribs of Styles and Styles going after the leg of Bryan. That was an amazing story that these two, these two had told about this. And we'll get into that right now. So, Brian had Styles in the corner. Styles turns it around into a chop and a forearm. He then bumps Brian off the turnbuckles and stomps a mud hole in him. He, like, now, this is all from the thechairshot.com, so I'm going off what they said on there, and pretty much it was pretty much what they had going on. So, Styles bumps Brian off the, off the turnbuckles, stomps a mud hole into him. He then bumps and ch- chops Brian some more. Whips going from corner to corner. Brian goes up and over, but Styles actually saw that coming going from their last match. He knew the play already. Brian still counters in a waistlock, goes to a takedown. Styles reaches up to head scissor Brian down. So he kicks Brian into a corner, drags him up for more buncle bumps. He then rams his shoulder and then snapmares Brian out to kick him him right in the back. They're still having a dueling chance. Styles throwing hands on Brian. Styles goes for the Irish whip. Brian kicks him away. He starts speeding things up. He fakes Styles out. Styles still drop, kicks him down. He then clotheslines Brian out of the ring and immediately begins to take his time waiting for Brian. I loved the pacing in this matchup that they had at this point. It was a bit slow, but once they started gaining, gaining that speed up, they, they had that first act done. It started building up to that climax. It started building up to that high point in the match. Excuse me. So after Brian got up, style slingshots and Boogie could take, immediately. I see this is words are hard because I just love this match. He gets caught in a roundhouse kick. He slingshot over the top. I think he was trying to hit a, a forearm on Brian to the outside, but he left himself wide open, and Brian just lays in a sickening roundhouse kick right to his midsection that had Styles doubled over on the ground. It was very, very smart of Brian to actually pull that, and that's when the story began of him going after Styles' ribs. So after... Styles was clutching his ribs. Brian hobbles over. He then whips Styles into the timekeeper barriers, continuing to work on those ribs. He brings Styles back in the ring and takes aim from a corner. He, Styles stands for Brian to bump, kicks him in the corner. Brian then whips Styles into the ropes and rocks him with a knee, a kitchen sink knee right to the ribs that left Styles doubled over. And immediately fans start booing him as he goes for his leg. So then... And this is this part I absolutely fucking loved. He then takes it Styles' legs, he, and he laces the legs up. And it looks like he was going for a submission. Excuse me, I'm gonna take a sip of water. Excuse me. So he laces his legs. It looked like it was like, a, like he was going for like a modified clover leaf or something like that. And starts driving knees over and over into Styles' spine and ribs. I love that. He hooks He hooks Styles' face like at the nose and hooks that. Drives another knee. He repeats the process I think one or two more times. He then hooks the chin and lays locks in a bow and arrow stretch. And, and having the knees right on Styles' spine. That causes a choke, uh, a rope break. He lets him go. He then brings Styles up for a headbutt. And then puts Styles in a corner and he yells at him, You want to chop me? Then he starts chopping Styles over and over and over. Styles starts firing chops back. And they're starting to have a chop magic, like pretty much like some strong style hits. These guys were laying into each other heavy. So after he uh, he actually puts Styles, got put in a tree of woe. And he goes out to put Styles against the ropes. He lets up at four, then returns as Styles falls out of the tree of woe. He hits Styles with a European uppercut, then dares Styles to come out. He stands and hits, gets dropped with a mule kick. And it was, it was at this point, this freaking match was just absolutely insane. Later on in the match, after um, Brian gets uh, clobbered with a clothesline, both men are down and the 10 starts, 10 count starts being uh, counted. They get up, at, they both get up at five. Brian and Styles stand. Styles hits first, staggers Brian around the ring. He starts hitting haymakers and starts firing off into the corner. He goes back to stomping a mud hole in the Brian. The but the ref had to pull him off. He goes after him again and then hits the phenomenal blitz on him. The uh the two right, the left right roundhouse kick drops him with a leg. Uh, roundhouse kick to the leg. Brian ducks the backhand but gets his a clothesline for his troubles and that only got a two count. He starts running rights down and starts viciously stomping on Daniel Bryan. He goes for the Styles Clash, but Bryan scrambles out of the ring. He starts leaning up against the uh, the barriers, but Styles comes out to throw him into the ring post again and again. Bryan then staggers into a haymaker as the count gets up to five. Uh, Styles then puts Bryan back in, and Bryan starts begging for mercy. He starts saying, "I don't want to hurt. I don't. Please don't hit me. I'm good." But gets but. He, but fans don't believe Brian, neither did Styles. And he catches an Ushigoroshi for his trouble, a devastating Ushigoroshi. That only got a two count. Styles keeping his cool, picks Brian up. He fights out of the suplex that Styles was going for, runs corner to corner only to get a back elbow from Styles. He then moonsaults, but Brian reverses the DDT. Now, the moonsault DDT that Styles was going for, he reversed that into a cravat suplex after a couple of knees to AJ Styles. That only got a two count. Brian waiting for Styles to sit up and starts giving him his no kicks. Um, I hit him with like three or four of the no kicks. Hits the buzzsaw kick that only got a two count. Then fan chance start going, dueling chance start going up again. Brian hits a headbutt, a couple of back suplexes. Styles slipped out of one of those and hits an enziguri on Brian. Both men are down but still able to get up with the help of the ropes. Styles runs in at Brian. He gets put on the apron. Styles hits Brian away, then springboards, but gets caught into another roundhouse kick. But Styles caught it when he came down and hits a dragon screw leg drop on Bryan. He kicks the bad leg out of Bryan. Now going at now he starts going after his leg. Bryan's in the corner. Styles brings him over to slam the legs into the post. Pretty much the same thing that Daniel Bryan did to him in their last match, paying a receipt to Daniel Bryan. He then does this, and then this is my favorite part of that of this portion of the match. He was stalking Brian, and then he he chop blocks him the same thing that he did to Styles in their last match. I love that a little payback for what Brian did to Styles. This is just just loving it at this point. The end had seen. The end had seen. Brian. I believe it was on the outside. Brian hits, gets a hit. Styles gets a hit. Styles gets the edge after a, back, a little bit of back and forth. Brian hits a back kick. He hits another back kick. Goes corner to corner. Styles drop kicks him down. Both men are down. Styles crosses up to the apron. Gets up on the apron. Springboard 450. And surprisingly, that only got a two count. And you could tell right after that that. He was doubled over in pain after the amount of damage that was taken to his ribs. He stands up and picks up Brian. He power styles into the corner, runs back in, and then locks, rolls over and locks in the calf crusher. Styles starts wrenching back on it. Now he's, and at this point, he was starting to go more after the leg. He start, Brian starts freaking out, but manages to get to the ropes and cause a rope break. Styles lets go. Brian gets out of the ring. He's clutches in his leg as Styles goes out to get him. Styles drags Brian up and brings him back into the ring, but Brian rolls back out. Very, the high IQ of Daniel Bryan was second to none in this match. He hobbles away. Styles stalks him. Bryan hits another hard body shot, whips Styles into the barriers. He jumps over the barrier, turns around, gets up. Bryan goes after him. He hits a forearm on him, jumps on the barrier, and then hits a phenomenal forearm right after that. The count at this point was at 8. Uh, Styles brings Brian back in, aims up on the apron. He goes for the springboard to try to finish the job. Brian gets out of the way. He almost hits the ref, dodges Brian. He goes for the small package, gets a two count, but Brian gets the leverage, locks in and, and just enough for Brian to get the three count and the clean victory to retain the WWE Championship. This was. I love this match this was probably one of my favorite in undoubtedly one of my favorite matches of the night and it was it was quite fantastic just to see a little and the finish I mean albeit um a bit anticlimactic to some made sense in in terms of me I enjoyed it I loved the ending of this match you know Styles going for that forearm getting out of the way almost hitting the referee. Styles surprising Daniel Bryan with a with a small package but Bryan having enough getting enough leverage to get the 3 count, excuse me. And retaining the title was absolutely fantastic. After the match Styles looking dumbfounded, Bryan happy that he retained the championship just beat him by that much. That was this was undoubtedly a very solid match across the board. One of my favorite matches of the pay-per-view. But none other Then the final match that I loved about TLC, and and you notice a little pattern here uh, from the TLC pay-per-view. All the matches that I enjoyed, the Cruiserweight Championship, I will be going back to watch that because I know it was a solid match, the WWE Championship, the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championship, and the main event, the first ever SmackDown, the best first ever women's TLC match for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship there's a theme behind this, and there's a reason why. And if you haven't caught the reason yet, you'll get it eventually. A lot of people were anticipating this to be the main event. I said it on my TLC preview and prediction show this should be the main event, without question. This had more than enough hype surrounding Asuka, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair to actually be the main event. It made so much sense. And, if, and a, a lot of people were saying, if it wasn't the main event, they weren't even going to watch. They were not going to watch the TLC pay-per-view. They were just going to watch the TLC match and said, fuck the rest of the show. I had seen that on Twitter a couple times. I don't know if you had, but I had actually seen some people tweet out, if this is not the main event, I'm not watch, I'm going to watch that match. And then I'm just going to uh, call it a night on the TLC pay-per-view. Thank goodness that after the Seth Rollins-Dean Ambrose dead spot match, and I, I'm honestly, I honestly, I'm going to say that I cannot believe that they had Ambrose and Rollins in the dead spot, having sandwiched in between the WWE Championship and the main event, the women's DLC match, not only that, but having that just be a regular singles match, really didn't, really, kind of was meh. You know what I mean? It was kind of meh for me. I really didn't and I really didn't like them being in that spot. You could have put, if, my, if you were going to go with the same card, you could have honestly switched out Rousey and Jax, put them in the dead spot, and then have Ambrose and Rollins go on before the WWE Championship. And have that be a ladder match. Or something like that. Because that that match was terrible. Just want to put it out there. That match was absolutely terrible. But. This ain't about the Intercontinental title. This is about the SmackDown Live Women's Championship. First ever women's TLC match. Well deserved. I mean just. I don't even know. I wouldn't even know where to start. To be truthfully honest. So as always if you don't know where to start. You start from the beginning. So, introductions are made. Becky hands the title over to the referee. Bell gets raised high above the ring. All three women stare the title down. Ring the bell. Becky's talking shit already, saying that neither of them are getting that belt. Charlotte's saying Becky's all talk. Asuka's ready to just, just go after him, and she starts kicking away on both of them. Fires off on Charlotte, fires off on Becky. So she hits Charlotte first. Becky comes over. She catches a backhand from Oscar. Then she then she mule kicks her down. Fans are going ink shit already. As both women are in the corner, she starts a hip track train on both. Hits Charlotte, then gets Becky. Then starts a little bit of flexion action. Uh, Becky gets Oscar at the apron, drags her back in for draping knees. Throws Oscar down and takes a moment to say, "I'm the freaking man, and that's my freaking title." Crowd started going absolutely ape shit for that. I was I was just soaking it all in right then and there. I I did I had my phone down. I may have tweeted out something a little bit, but I had my phone down. I just wanted to watch this from the beginning. So Becky puts Oscar in the corner for a few stomps, then throws her out with a back exploder. Oscar rolls away. Charlotte comes back in. Becky dodges a shot from Charlotte and starts throwing forearms on Charlotte. Hits a headbutt, runs, but gets caught in an exploder suplex from Charlotte. She kips up and lets out a woo, and the crowd was getting involved, and I was like, yes, keep it going. Charlotte and Becky start going all out. All three women want a ladder. Asuka and Charlotte started fighting over a ladder. Charlotte shoves, started using the ladder already in the match. Shoves the ladder into Asuka, takes her down for a little bit. Becky starts going for a table. Charlotte stomps it. Charlotte, she actually did, uh, if you remember, I'm trying to think. Was it Joey? Yeah, it was Joey Mercury. That spot where he got wrecked in the face with a ladder. It was kind of the same thing, but luckily, uh, none of that portion of what happened to Joey Mercury happened. And if you never saw what happened to Joey Mercury, I would advise you, A, it's graphic as fuck. B, there might be a lot of blood. Just saying. So what happened to uh, Joey Mercury happened the same thing with Charlotte. She stomped it to had the table go up, hit her in the face, backed her off. Charlotte sets up, takes the table, sets it up in the corner for a spot to be talked about later, and Asuka gets back in the ring. Charlotte bounces Asuka off the tabletop again and again. Becky comes back in to grab the ladder and stand it up. Charlotte boots the ladder into her, and they both end up in the corner. Asuka then starts going after Charlotte. She fires off palm strikes on all sides. Charlotte had a wherewithal to block one and kick Asuka back. Charlotte then runs at Asuka but landed into a very, very nice code breaker. I was not expecting that from Asuka at all. I was hype as fuck for that. That was a very nice move there by Asuka. I didn't even know she even had that in her moveset. Who knew? So Asuka dodges the ladder shot that Becky shoved towards her. Becky then boots Asuka, then hops up. Asuka trips her up. Uh, They start brawling in the corner while while Asuka climbs up. Uh, she steps down to reposition the ladder, uh, she then, but she drags Becky out, and I think, yeah, Becky was seated at the top turnbuckle. She moved the ladder. It looked like Becky was going to get her, like, a little crossbody or something onto the ladder from the middle rope, but Asuka threw her right on top of the ladder, and even that made me cringe a little bit when Becky fell, because I've fallen on them some stuff in my day, and it, I, I'll put it this way. I've slipped on some ice and fell on concrete. You're welcome. <laughs> so, Asuka steps. So, after that spot, which is a really nice spot, she brings the ladder back up. She stands it up and starts climbing toward the uh, the championship. Charlotte returns back into the ring, bounces Asuka off the runs. She starts climbing, but Asuka pulls her off. Um, the two of them start brawling, and Charlotte threw, throws Asuka out. So, after that, Asuka actually comes back to pull down Charlotte again. Asuka has Charlotte in the powerbomb position and actually powerbombed her through the table, but the way she landed was pretty gruesome. It didn't go all the way through the table. The lower part, she hit her head on the lower part of the table, and that made me worried a little bit, because I'm thinking that may have fucked her neck up badly. And the amount of spots, and I got to say, but the amount of spots that, Charlotte took in this match, and having her be able to continue on was the stuff of fucking legend, and it only adds to Charlotte's resume, and I have to give her, like, I give all three women respect in this match, but Charlotte gets the highest amount of respect, because she took a lot of fucking bumps in this match, and we'll get into that in a little bit, so after the, uh, she got put through a table, fans are losing their minds, I'm losing my shit, Oscar as she starts climbing up the ladder, Becky returns with a missile drop kick. All three women are down at this point. Uh, Becky then gets up. Starts climbing the ladder. Oscar yanks her right off. Becky then rolls away. Oscar starts going after her. She runs to hip attack Becky down. Charlotte then grabs, has a chair and smacks Oscar with it. It was mean. Oscar then rolls out. Charlotte starts climbing a corner. Both Oscar and Becky are on the outside. Charlotte actually hits a moonsault to the outside. I'd say, honestly, in terms of her moonsaults, because... She, I've said it on Twitter once before. Io Shirai has a much better moonsault than Charlotte does. I can actually argue that till the cows come home. But this moonsault was actually, I'd say, her best moonsault to date. Without fail. Even the twisting corkscrew moonsault that she had, I think, what was that? WrestleMania? This year? Or I'm trying to think if it was this year or last year. she had a, uh, was a twisting corkscrew moonsault that she had. That was actually a pretty good one. But I'd say this is one of her better ones that she's ever pulled off. So she wipes out Becky and Asuka, she then goes to grab another table, brings it over, she sets it up nearby, Becky hits her on the back with a steel chair, she then hits Asuka, then hits Charlotte again, moves over back to Asuka, and this hits both of them over and over again, Charlotte boots the chair away, Charlotte then throws Becky at chairs and at barriers, she then clears off the announced desk, right onto the monitor, she bounces Asuka off of it, Becky then comes back with another chair and smacks Charlotte, and then she sees ladders, and then she sees Asuka. So she brings the bigger ladder, because you always need to, you know, if you got a seven foot, why not bring the ten foot over? Hell, what the fuck? This is TC TLC, gotta go crazy. Brings a tall ladder over and sets it up. She then kicks Charlotte away from where she wanted to put it, which is basically over by the announce table. She makes sure she puts Asuka on the table. And put Charlotte beside her. This was this is what I'm talking about. What I'm saying, I give Charlotte a ton of credit for the amount of bumps she took. Becky climbs up as high as she can, close to the top. Leaps. Oscar actually moved out of the way, and Charlotte gets the leg drop through the table. I am losing my absolute shit, and I'm just like, bruh, this is crazy. And you can eat. And I and I heard Charlotte double over. Just double over in pain like, oh my god, what the fuck? Or somewhere of that nature. There there was a couple curse words in there. Damn wrong it. Now, chance of this is awesome starts coming about. Asuka heads for the ladder in the ring. She begins to climb, but it's it's a slow way going up. Becky returns to climb up to the other side. The two meet at the top. Now they start brawling on top of the ladder. Asuka reaches for the title, but Becky starts with a couple haymakers. Becky starts reaching for it, but Asuka then hits back. Charlotte returns with a nice, pretty little kendo stick, and starts smacking Asuka and Becky back and forth, she then shoves Becky down, and focuses on Asuka, Uh, Asuka's in a corner, and Charlotte keeps hitting her with the kendo stick, she then kicks Asuka out, starts heading for the ladder, she starts climbing, Asuka returns, Charlotte smacks Asuka again, telling her to give up, it's my title, Becky comes around, the back splatter Charlotte against the barriers and the table. Oscar then takes the kendo stick and starts b- smacking the shit out of Becky with it again and again and again, hitting Becky. Charlotte then spears. Now this was on the outside. Charlotte then spears Oscar into the barriers, breaking the barricade on the outside, and then we saw that little uh spot where uh Charlotte was on top of Oscar and um. Uh, a couple of um, things on the chest but right in front of uh, Asuka's face. I'm, I'm sure you've seen the GIF 800 million times on Twitter. And um, yeah, we're just going to leave it at that because I don't want to get any ideas for the rest of y'all. There may be kids listening to this, but it, it happened. And you can, so you can probably find it on Twitter, no problem, and do whatever you feel like doing with that. So <laughs> I am terrible in that. So, Pretty much, I'm just going to, to the end, now we're pretty close to the end, so the end had seen the fans going shit for tables, Charlotte brings Becky up and over, and she says, the man always bows down to the queen, that made me feel some type of way, I'm going to get past that, Charlotte then slaps Becky, and pushes the table aside to climb up, she aims for Becky, and she actually hit, instead of a moonsault, thank goodness she didn't do that, she actually hits a swan kind of. Through her and the table, fans are losing their mind. There were so many spots in this match that we could talk about. Um, Both women start calling for the wreckage. Charlotte leaves Becky behind and goes for the ladder to climb up the top. Charlotte stands it up. She starts reaching for the belt. Asuka, who was on the outside already wrecked, starts climbing up there, climbing up the ladder. They start fighting, they fight on top of the ladder. Asuka manages to force Charlotte away from the belt. They both go back and forth. Becky comes in after the summer, uh, the Swantine, with another ladder. Becky climbs up while the other two were fighting. Asuka slips to the bottom. Charlotte moves over to the other ladder that Becky was on. Charlotte and Becky start brawling to keep each other from the belt. Now, this was the weird part of the match for me right here. Now, Ronda Rousey comes out. Yeah, Ronda Rousey came out, walks over to the ring, slides into the ring, looks at Asuka, keeps leaves her out of the way, screwed and is screwed over Charlotte and Becky. She lifts up the ladder. Now, this spot was kind of meh, because I thought they could have done a little bit better with that, with this spot right here. They both landed on their feet uh, after Ronda sends them down the ladder. But they both landed on their feet. And then rolled out of the ring. That was kind of weird to me. It was all weird. I was just like, why the fuck is Charlotte and Ronda Rousey coming out? And then I realized the whole shit with Ronda and Becky on Twitter talking shit. And the whole deal with Charlotte doing what she did to Ronda at Survivor Series. Screwing over Charlotte and Becky. That leaves Asuka. Asuka climbs the ladder. Takes the title. Takes the belt. Takes it off the hook. And we have a new... SmackDown Live Women's Champion, and her name is the Empress of Tomorrow, Asuka. Congratulations to Asuka for becoming the new SmackDown Live Women's Champion. I know, and I can definitely attest to this, I have I have been an Asuka supporter since she made her debut on NXT. I was bummed the fuck out when she lost to Charlotte at Mania. For the SmackDown Women's Championship because I felt she deserved it. Then the whole shit happened with Carmella and her losing twice to Carmella, and I and I really wasn't enjoying that at all. And I'm, and I'm taking accountability for all of this, and I enjoyed. I enjoyed what Asuka was before they started. I, I was thinking at one point they might have buried her. I was thinking this was one of Triple H's you know biggest names that he ever had, one of the biggest international signings they had ever made, and they're treating her like absolute crap. After the whole Carmella thing, I was thinking, man, they are they are really fucking her over. Then they had the whole deal with Asuka and Naomi taking on Peyton Royce and Billy K at the Super Showdown, Royce and Billy Kay won over Asuka and Naomi, and I'm thinking they're they're just fucking her there even more. And then we get to before Survivor Series. And I think this is where there was reports about Vince McMahon being surprised that Asuka was still getting love after everything that she has gone through. Um, especially the way they they had booked her. In 2018. If you remember vividly when Becky Lynch was choosing um, out of the women's division to represent her to face Ronda Rousey, she eventually chose Charlotte. We know that. But when she came to Asuka, Asuka got a huge pop from that crowd. And that surprised Vince McMahon. Big time. So that there... Was kind of like the possible light bulb moment that Vince McMahon had to think maybe we were wrong. We did, they booked all this shit. They booked her terribly, almost all of 20, for the majority of 2018, and she was still beloved by the crowd. So that moment may have been the reason why Asuka is now champion. Now, also, they had to take the title off of Becky. They had to take the title off of Becky. You and I, you know that. Maybe you know that. I may. I don't know. Maybe you still have your feelings that Charlotte should be champion. I can understand. Like I said, in the, in the preview predictions, all three women had a case to become champion. All three women had a case, but logically it made the most sense to take the title off of Becky and give it to Oscar. You then you now, now, if you really want, like I said, if you want to do this, you can still do Ronda versus Becky, For the Raw Women's Championship. And you can have Charlotte versus Asuka 2. A redemption story. Which Asuka can beat Charlotte. At WrestleMania 35. Two marquee women's matches that we have not seen since God knows how fucking long. You now have that chance to make that happen. It's possible. Hey. This is what I love about TLC. Those four matches there. I will go back and watch the Buddy Murphy uh, Cedric Alexander match. Because I love me some Cruiserweight shit. And... Raw, you, you you tried, just wasn't enough. That's what I loved about TLC twenty eighteen. Oh guys that's gonna be it for episode 35 of the young lion's perspective as always i want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day your night your afternoon your evening wherever you may be wherever you are in the world thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast i truly greatly appreciate it as always if you enjoyed the this episode or any of the other 34 episodes on the podcast do not hesitate tell a friend to tell a friend about the show post it up on your social media your facebook your instagram your twitter wherever your social media is post it up and let the people know that the young Lions perspective is the alternative for professional wrestling podcasts and that we are here to stay now if you do not listen to me on the anchor app and why don't you as i always say this is the up and coming app for podcasts in the podcasting game today you can check out my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and that good old Spotify fam. Just search for the Young Lions Perspective and you should have no problem in finding it whatsoever on any of those platforms. If you wanna follow me on my social media, do not hesitate to follow me on Twitter at Swade senator wwi and on my Instagram at young underscore lions underscore perspective. Stay up to date with what's going on with the show. I did just post an Insta uh, post on Instagram about two certain dates, a little bit of a cryptic me- message action there for you guys. Uh, 12 25 18 and one 2 19 those two dates alone. I will make an announcement on what's going down with those dates. On episode 37 of the Young Lions Perspective this Sunday when we talk about the two-hour extravaganza that is NXT UK. So stay tuned for that. A little bit of a you know cliffhanger for you guys to keep on checking out. And I'm not gonna talk more about at that because I may spoil it for the rest of us. So, guys, enjoy the rest of your day. I know SmackDown Live's gonna be going down tonight. I don't know what they're gonna be doing. I will be live tweeting for SmackDown Live without fail because that'll just help me go to sleep until then guys enjoy the rest of your night enjoy the rest of your week and we will talk again on saturday until then see you